Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 130 of the Hawks Hawks podcast and all things Atlanta Hawks podcast hosted by two lifelong Hawks fans. As always, I'm Jackson, joined today by my lovely and wonderful co-host, Logan. We are podcasting and recording this about, uh, you know, we we didn't do a podcast for the uh, the what some are calling the Dark Sunday. Uh, that was a pretty bleak game. And then uh, after Wednesday's Pistons win, it's currently Thursday. We're going to get into everything that we missed since our last podcast, but before we do all of that, Logan, how are you? Jackson, do you really care how I'm doing, or is this just podcast filler? I, it's both. <laughs> it, it's it started out as podcast filler, but now I'm genuinely curious at what your responses will be these days. You're telling me when we started, you didn't genuinely genuinely care. Well, <clears throat> well it was a good way to introduce you into the episode. You know, just, how are you doing? You know, well, I guess I don't got to force anything. It's natural. If you're so curious, um, I'm a little sick. Only like only a little bit. So. If my voice sounds worse than normal, that that is why I I feel a little nasally. So I apologize if my voice is uh, a little bit gross sounding. But you know, I'll, I'll make sure not to I don't know cough into the microphone. But yeah, I mean, I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, we uh, <clears throat> we we skipped the Hornets game for um, pretty obvious reasons. I think nobody wants to talk or listen about the Hawks after a loss like that. Um, and then also, it, you know, it's not doomcast time. You don't you don't doomcast because you lose one game that you should have won. So, um, I I did have somebody sort of jokingly ask like, is it doomcast time? And no, those are those are sacred. Those are holy to us. Um, you can't you can't overdo it. You can't overextend. Even Jackson wouldn't overextend with the doomcast. He knows you got to save those for when it's right. And the time wasn't right. Um, now, had we maybe lost a couple of these piston games. You know, maybe the mind would have changed, but fortunately we did win last night against the Pistons. So uh, no Doomcast yet, knock on wood, I guess. But uh, yeah, we, we got two games worth of basketball to talk about. Let's just go ahead and talk about the Sunday game. It's one of those things where I think you should just go ahead and uh, just inflict the pain so you can get it done with first. Kind of like rip the Band-Aid off. Um, I mean, there's no way to put it. This was a pretty bad loss by any standards. Uh, just losing to the Hornets, they look to be a lottery team, just as is. But you also have to factor in that they were not, they were without LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. And uh, also factoring into the game is how you lost. I mean, you really can't talk about this game other than saying it was the Nick, Nick Richards game. He was 9-9 from the field, 11 boards and 20 points. I mean... Probably the best game of his NBA career up to this point. I don't keep up with Charlotte, so don't quote me on that one. No, but no, here's the thing. I mean, here's he, the thing, Jackson. I'm pretty sure the first game of the season. Yeah, the first game of the season. I mean, I'm not saying it was better, but he he put up 19 and 10 in the first game of the season. He's he's a he's kind of established himself as clearly superior to Plumley. So I don't know why they start Plumley, but anyway, sorry to cut you off. <clears throat> But also along him, Kelly Uber, he had a good game. He had 24 points. Dennis Smith Jr., who you know looked to be on his way out of the league, he started uh, because they didn't have Rogier or Ball. He was their starting point guard. He had 18 points and 16 assists on 8 of 16 from the field. And uh, that was about it for notable performances. I mean, you know, some other guys hit some shots, like P.J. Washington and uh, Gordon Hayward and then James Booknight. But that was about it for the Hornets. I mean, this game was just pretty rough for the Hawks as a whole. Trey Young was 9 of 25. John Collins was 3 of 12. DeAndre Hunter was 4 of 11. Murray was 7 of 15. I mean, Capella was 6 for 8, but you you get, when you watch that game back, the issue for Capella and Okongwu wasn't how they did on offense. It was solely defense. And then uh, I think the most telling thing, the thing that really got the ball rolling this game was uh, Justin Holiday. He was 1 of 7 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. And uh, Aaron Holiday was 0 of 4. I mean, that was about it. We did get to see some, you know, rookie. I mean, some of the first-time guys make their debut uh, in Vit. And Trent Forrest and 
Tyrese Martin. A.J. Griffin, he actually played a bit more than just those final two minutes like the rest of them did. He played four minutes to start the fourth. He personally was three or four from the field, two or three from three. And yeah, that was about it. You can check the uh, the <laughs> the box score numbers for the plus minus. And yeah, it's uh, pretty telling. Justin Holiday was negative 20, negative 18. Aaron Holiday was negative 22. Capella was negative 19. So it was just a pretty rough game for the Hawks all around. Nobody was really able to get anything going. They weren't able to get stops. And it's one of those things. It kind of seems like it happens to Hawks. And, you know, it's just one thing you expect. You know, these guys who ha- never, like, play good, they're just random role players. They just have these awesome games against us. And uh, it, was, it was pretty it was pretty grim to see Nick Richards, who had the game against us, considering that going into the season, aside from the point guard position, I think me and you both agreed that the center rotation was our strongest part of our team. I mean, we just got – I mean, the Hawks just did not come ready to play at all, and the Hornets did. I don't even – I don't even know how much deeper you can talk about it. It was just – it was bad. It was – I turned it off uh, at some point in the third quarter. Because if you remember, going into halftime, we're only down four, and it's one of those games where you're like, oh, we'll probably just, you know, you know, get our heads out of our asses in the second half, and we'll win, and we'll just be like, oh, that was an ugly win. Uh, no, they, they got absolutely <laughs> – demolished in the third quarter and by that time the game was over um the the literal only bright spot was that aj griffin did get six minutes um played pretty well i mean you know he was a rookie so it's not like he was perfect on defense i know he did have some steals but he was you know he he got lost a little bit but i mean he literally he he hit his shots he had some steals it's it's uh it's fuel for the fire jackson people definitely want to see him over uh justin holiday or at least with you know get some minutes in there well, I'll talk a little bit about this later, probably when we talk more about <clears throat> the Pistons game. But I do have an opinion, um, and you know, it, it, some of it does pertain to AJ. But uh, yeah, it was just an ugly game. I, I can't think of anyone that you were like, oh, "Wow, he played pretty good." Like John Collins, the star of consistency, as <laughs> as you put it, had a very bad game on offense. Just couldn't buy a shot. Hunter couldn't buy a shot. Hawks Hawks Jinx hit quick. Yeah, Trey continued his bad shooting. Dejounte was meh. It was it was just tough. It was just you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna win more than seventy games a year, and even then, you know, realistically, do we expect to win seventy games this year? No. So you're gonna lose some. That just happened to be one of the ones we lost. It you know, it is what it is. You can you can you can lose every once in a while. It's all right. You know, not the end of the world. I just wanted to point out some final stats from this game before we can you know hopefully move on. Just put this one in the rearview mirror. Uh, the Hornets shot 11 of 26 from three, which is 42.3%. And the Hawks shot eight of 35 from three, which is 22.9%. And then from the field, the Hornets were 52% to the Hawks, 41%. You're, uh, I don't know, you did lose this game by 17 points, but I can say if you're shooting those numbers, you're not going to win very, very many games in the NBA unless you have some truly, truly, truly elite defense. That's just kind of how it goes. But Hopefully we can just, I know everyone, you know, is upset about this loss. I am too. I know me and you didn't want to podcast for it because it's like, God, that was a grim game. That's like when you go into it, it's like, all right, you know, the first two games of the season, we, we, we were impressed like this one, you know, they don't have, you know, they only two of their better players. Like let's put on like a showcase performance. It's like, not only do you lose, you lose big. And it's just like, damn, like, damn, I don't <laughs> even know. But, uh, Hopefully we can just look back at the end of the season and be like, yeah, that was just a that was just a loss in the loss column. It didn't really matter. Um, still too early in the season to doom about. I mean, it sucks, but it happens. It's also going to happen to you know the Hawks who have a history of just losing the teams like this. I mean, it's it's an effort thing. We'll get into that later. But uh, let's move on to the Pistons game. 
The Hawks, in fact, did win this game, so bless up for that. Uh, the Hawks won the game 118-113, to 113, a very close game against the Pistons. Notable performance was Trey Young, of course. He was 9-21 from the field, 1-7 from three, but he had 35 points and six assists. DeJounte Murray shot bad. He was 5-18 and 2-6 of six from three, but he did have 14 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists. He almost had a triple-double. John Collins had 19 points and 11 rebounds. DeAndre Hunter had 17 points. He was 7-10 from the field and 2-3 from three, but he did foul out. And then off the bench, uh, Akongu was 5-5. Five of five. Aaron Holiday was 4-8. of eight. Two of those were two big threes. Jalen Johnson was 2-4. of four. He had one of his better games that we've seen so far. He had a big three in the fourth quarter. He had five points. Justin Holiday, you know, if the if the fire wasn't already burning, this was more fuel to the fire for people who were just over Justin Holiday. He was 1-3, of three, uh, just not much in 22 minutes. And then that was it for the Hawks rotation. Capella, I mean, he didn't have a notable game on offense. He was 3-8. of eight. He did a normal Capella missing stuff. He did have 10 rebounds and six points. And some of those rebounds were really big, but his defense was also very important. I was I was talking to someone this morning, and I it was like, Trey was the reason we won that game. I mean, Trey had 35 points. He's obviously missing from three, but I mean, he just did so much on offense. He carried us. He carried us when we needed it. But Capella, he was the second most impactful player with his defense and the fact he got so many rebounds. He uh, It wasn't a Nick Richard situation. Nope. Thank the God. the Pistons pretty much the Pistons ran a center rotation of Jalen Durant and Isaiah Stewart, two guys big bodies. They're both athletic, but Capella did you know he was able to just say all right like we're not doing this. He had some clutch rebounds and some much needed defense. He had a few blocks in the fourth quarter that were just like wow that's huge, especially on Cade Cunningham and then John Collins. John and Capella combined for eight blocks. They both had four apiece. John Collins probably had one of the best blocks we'll see all season from this Hawks team on that chase down. On Cade Cunningham, that was beautiful. Um, but yeah, John also had four turnovers. So, uh, t- and I will say to add on to the Compella praise, he was a team high plus twenty two in twenty six minutes. Logan, let's talk about the Pistons game. I mean, ultimately, it was it was Trey in the front court basically winning it for us. That's I mean, so like it, ha- it has to be said, people are kind of grumpy about the Hawks because they only you know we're we're three and one, but we're an ugly three and one. Like we only beat. Um, these bad teams by 10 points, 10 points and 5 points. Or was it 4 points against the Pistons? I think it was 5. And it's like, I get it. You like you would prefer to have pulled away from at least one of these teams. But like, this is not college football where we're playing FCS teams. <laughs> like, this is not Bama against, uh, I don't know, Milton State or Kent State or something. Like, you're not going to win by 45 every game. Like, like, every game against bad teams. These bad teams... These like high variance is so good for these young teams that are rebuilding because if you know all of a sudden if a Cole Anthony goes off the Magic could win that game Cole Anthony went off so the Magic could have won that game it's just you know it, like I understand wanting to have won by larger margins and maybe have looked a little better doing it but like it's just not that big a deal to me uh, winning by only five to the Pistons is like it doesn't feel good um, honestly that you know it's kind of like crappy but again literally it took a 30-something point barrage from Boyan um, to, I mean, to keep him in that. I mean, it, it's just, and also, let's, you know, I hate to do this, but the refs were awful. I'm not saying they was all against Atlanta, but, like, they were absolutely awful. There's probably four or five buckets that probably shouldn't have counted for the Pistons because they pushed off. Honestly, DeJounte's last bucket, I thought he probably pushed off <laughs> and probably shouldn't have gotten called. It was just ugly. So, 
a lot of technical fouls on the Pistons as well. Yeah. I don't know if the Hawks actually got any, but I know the Pistons got a few. But uh, multiple delay uh, games, the, which is which is fun. yeah, uh, on both teams. But uh, I wanted to, I I didn't mention the Pistons box score. I really only mentioned three guys because that was the main thing from the Pistons. Like four guys really had all their points. Bojan Bogdanovich, like you mentioned, Logan, just uh, I mean, woo, he he he. He went uh, belt to ass, frankly, on us. He was 12 of 21 from the field, 6 of 12 from three. He had 33 points. Uh, Sadiq Bey was 6 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from three. He had 17. And then Cade Cunningham was 11 of 25 from the field, 1, one of 30 from three. And then he had 26 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. And then finally, the last one who really got us was Isaiah Livers. He was 4 of 7 from the field, 4 of 6 from three with 12 points. And those were like the guys who scored the majority of their points. I will say, though, on the Cade Cunningham note, um, he scored actually, tw- uh, I want to say 22. Yeah, he scored 22 of his points in the first half, and he only scored four in the second half. So, Dolch did a really good job of adjusting and just, you know, playing him better. I know he had some opportunities for buckets, but he was just guarded much better by DeJounte. And then Capella down low, I, I know he blocked a few of his shots, but, and I thought that was impressive by Cade Cunningham. But yeah, that was a, that was one of those games where it's just like, I know that the Hawks perimeter defense wasn't very good on Bojan Bogdanovic. But man, he he was just not missing. I think there was like two shots that uh I was like, okay, like that you know that should have gone in. Bro, man. But then a lot of them, it's just it's just it's absurd. And you know, thirty three points for Bojan Bogdanovic on a tanking Pistons team, it's it's absurd. I we I know we play the Pistons tomorrow. I really I I, I saw Bojan Bogdanovic in my nightmares, folks. That guy was he he could shoot the ball respectfully. You just knew it was happening, too, because, I mean, what do we say, guys? The the white three-point shooting role player, if he's playing the Hawks, he's going to put up a huge game. It, it speaks to the lack of defensive communication the Hawks had, especially in the first half. Um, and also just speaks to how real it is for when shooters, just when they feel it, it is. Like, think about Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross usually goes off against us. Uh, last Friday, against when we played the Magic, he didn't go off because he, he missed those first two shots. So it was like it was done for him. It just didn't work. Boyan, he hit his first couple shots, and that's all he needed. And he ended up almost single-handedly, I mean, really, in the second half, single-handedly carrying the Pistons to win. Um, frankly, if if, uh, if they don't miss those two free throws late, that, that game could have gone completely differently. But fortunately for us, they did miss those free throws. I believe it was um, Sadiq Bey. Yeah, it was Sadiq Bey who missed those free throws. Um, and then we <laughs> you do have to mention the time. <laughs> The, the foul that Hunter fouled out on. Um, Hunter, oh, my God. Hunter was really playing well on offense. He was like 7-10. I mean, good offensive game for him. Defensively, he had his moments. But, good Lord, you cannot, you know, you just can't foul the hottest shooter on the court. On a shot, he makes it and one. Four-point play. I think we're up by five. They cut the lead to one. It's just like, Hunter, man, you're making big boy money. Can you, can you start playing like a big boy and not like a rookie? Sometimes, like, it was it was a little bit, it was sad, but um, end of the day, man, um, you know, I have this, I have an opinion, that, uh, uh, I have the opinion that um, the Pistons need to be real with themselves and uh, just go ahead and admit that they shouldn't have traded for Bogdanovich because they are tanking um, and all they're trying to do is just play spoiler against us. I mean, let's be real here. They don't need him. Um, they're going to end up trading him at the deadline. So it's, it's like, just grow up. Don't play him. Like, like, what are we doing here? All right, you guys are tanking. It, it'd be like if the Thunder went out there and got Eric Gordon. And it's like, what are y'all doing, man? Like, what, like why? Just focus on the prize. Let us get our wins. You know, don't, don't 
trade for this role player for him to pop off 33 against us. Like, just just be nice. Just, you know, be kind. Be considerate. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, uh, they, they weren't considerate, Jackson. They're were, they were kind of being, being assholes about it. But luckily, we were just barely able to come out that one alive. And that was actually, fun fact, our first win in Detroit since, like, 2019. We had lost our last four games in Detroit, I think it was. Maybe even five. Can't have shit in Detroit, including a Hawks win. Yeah. Look into it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll just say this. In summary of this game, a headline, if I had to put one, was you you take an ugly win over a, a pretty loss. You feel me? Like, that was an ugly game by all means. But I did think one thing that was interesting. I said this about, I believe it was the Magic. I think it was the Magic. Could have been the Rockets, though. That's a, Haw- that's a, that's a game last year that the Hawks lose against the Pistons, like, easily. I mean, the Hawks are just a better team. They are, have more talent. They have the experience now to where... They can they can kind of you know just put their weight on people and tire them out. That's pretty much what the Hawks did. I thought I mean I thought they just stayed with them enough. And then if you can stay with a team, it got to the fourth quarter and it was a tie ball game. You just have to win that last quarter. And the Hawks have so much more talent than the Pistons. I mean the Pistons were out were without Jaden Ivey, so that just added. and they were also on a back to back in which they had to fly back to Detroit. So I mean if you lose that game after the Hornets won, it I don't know the Doom cast would be uh progressing, um, but. I mean, the Hawks, you know, they just they put their weight on the Pistons. They're able to get out of there with a win. You will take an ugly win over uh, a good looking loss every single time. I just, oh gosh, I'm not looking forward to playing those guys again. Like, I do not want to see Bojan Bogdanovic shoot the ball. I'm just saying that was that was that was one of the best shooting performances I've, I've seen it from the against the Hawks. And like the numbers don't scream that because he was like six to 12 from three. But like the shots he were making were just stupid, dude. And like he was getting to the rim and like he even dunked like the guy's like 34 and he dunked like, I don't know, man. That was a, that was a lot. I did want to give Hunter some praise. He did foul. He did foul Bogdanovich. And, but I mean, he hit some very much needed shots. Hunter. Oh gosh. He's going to have a bad game. He's like the stalwart of consistency. Junior. John Collins is the, is the Why first one. In him now? Hunters. Why are you doing this? I'm not jinxing. I'm knocking on wood. There you go. He's good. It's Hunter. He'll be fine. He's a stalwart for consistency junior. But uh, yeah, Hunter was much near the game. But look, you take that win. You take that win. That's how you get the 60, baby. Not everyone's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, you said last year we lose this game. Last year, if this was last year, you know what we do it the second half, Jackson? We'd end up changing the coverage so we have Kevin Herter guarding, Bogdan, or guarding Cunningham. And Cunningham ends up with 39 points. <laughs> That's what would have happened. Um Dejounte, even though he couldn't, I mean, for for whatever reason, his mid ranger sucks right now. Normally, his mid ranger is borderline like elite um, on very good volume, and right now he just can't buy a shot there. Um, I'm not worried about it, um, which is funny because like his three point shooting's fine. I think he's shooting like 35, 37, 38 percent, and it's like okay, this this is completely passable. <laughs> like like it's perfectly fine. He, he even makes some of the difficult ones. It's kind of crazy, but um, you know the mid ranger. He's kind of got to work that in. But um, the offense wasn't great, but the defense, he did the little things really well. He had a couple pat- patented, you know, DeJounte steals and, and transition uh, offense. And he had a pretty nice block on Kate as well. So uh, the defense there from DeJounte is huge. And sort of one of the things related to that offensive issue is I think he just – he has to – Nate has to start playing him less. He's averaging 39 minutes a game, which is leading the NBA through – Excuse me, through these four games. And like, you know, he can he handle 39 minutes a game? Yeah, sure. But do we really need him to be playing 39 minutes a game already? 
You know what I mean? Like, like, can we just dial it back a bit? I know, had we maybe pulled ahead by 20 in one of these games, he would have gotten a nice breather um, in the third quarter or something. But, like, you know, can we just stretch out this rotation a little bit? I know once Bogey comes back, it'll it'll ease the burden on Trey and DeJounte a little bit. But, like, can we just not, like, <laughs> play these guys 40 minutes a game straight out the gate? Like, can we just give A.J. Griffin six, seven, eight minutes a night just – Kind of like you're gonna have to just honestly suck it up and either go with an all bench lineup just for a couple minutes, just like to end the half, give Dejounte like 35, 36 minutes instead of 38, 39, or something. I don't know. Play Trey. I. It's just you, you got to figure out something a little different because at this pace, at this pace, like uh, Bogey hasn't practiced yet. He hasn't done a full practice. He may not be back till like December at this point. Who really knows? So it's like. Let's not grind DeJounte down to a dust because he's our best two-way guy. And it's like, you know, that's my thought. I think it is about time we start throwing some of the um, further down the bench guys in the rotation a little bit. Because very few teams are running nine-man rotations nowadays because it's the first freaking week of the season, man. It's not It's not May. It's not, it's not the Eastern Conference semifinals. Like, you don't have to run a nine-man rotation. You can, you know, Nate, Nate can probably deal with a little less... Tom Thibodeau action. That that's sort of my my thought there. But um, I do get that without Bogdanovich, he's kind of hamstrung because you know, do you really trust Aaron Holiday to truly be a point guard? You know, like truly, you know. So that's my thought process, Jackson. I think that can be um, could be part of the reason why Dejounte's mid ranger has been short for the last, I mean, week really. Yeah, I mean, one way you could look at it, and somebody on the Hawks subreddit said this, they were like. Maybe Nate is just playing, you know, like Trey and DeJounte so much. So come like the end of the season, they'll just be like, they'll be used to like in the playoffs, you know, guys are playing 35 plus minutes. They'll be used to that. I thought that was an interesting take on it, but you don't want guys playing this much early. Um, Just, you know, it's too much. I want to ask you something. I don't think, I think a lot of people are saying like if, if they want AJ Griffin to play, you have to sub Justin Holiday out for him. I don't agree with that. I think you could just extend the rotation for 10 men for now. Mm -hmm. Like, Going into this next Pistons game, you play a ten-man rotation. There's five people on the court at a time. That's two different, you know, lineups you can have with completely different players. I mean, obviously, you want to stagger train Dejounte so you can have one of them on the floor at all times. I mean, come on now, that's a big part of getting Dejounte. But I, I just, I think you're playing. I think Nate, like I said at the beginning of the year when I said that I thought the Hawks could get the sixty wins. One thing I mentioned is Nate McMillan is a try as a regular season tryhard. That man will he will try hard to win regular season games and. I mean, I feel like we're starting to see that a lot now. These aren't like the Hawks teams in the past where like we like last year we were like, oh, yeah, look at all our depth. And, you know, it's like smart to play all of our depth this year. It's like, all right, you know, the team is a bit more, you know, focused just on a cluster of talent instead of it being spread out in depth. I Yeah, I think you need to expand the rotation to to include AJ at the very least and not even just to play AJ because play AJ. He's who everyone wants to play. Um, just play AJ because you, you need somebody else to get those minutes. And honestly, if AJ plays well, you could go to like an eleven-man rotation potentially when Bogey comes back, whenever that is. And I'm not, I'm not giving any expectations for that Bogdanovich timeline. I'm not checking it at all. I'm just saying two words: Chris Dunn. I've we've been here before, Logan, and we've been burnt by this before. We were told that man would be ready to go by like the second week in November, and he wasn't back until March. So we've been here before with the Hawks medical staff. We know that they'd be doing some some chicanery up there. Some. Yeah. Uh, they they do a bit of a bit of lie, frankly. They did it with John Collins last year. More than trolling, they they just tried to lie. 
<laughs> yeah, you're you're not being funny. You're just being a liar, frankly. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not. You need to expand the rotation. That's way too many minutes for Murray to be playing. Even I get like you're in the win, but like you should. Also, I just want to say this, and well, this is our next topic, by the way. A lot of people are talking about the Hornets game. That's where it started. They're like, you you win this Hornets game if yada yada yada. If, if AJ plays, because of he hits threes. I just need to say this: the the Hawks don't get an excuse for games like the Hornets and Pistons game, where frankly, it's not a thing of you know you have a lack of talent. It's it's an effort thing. Like the Hawks shouldn't need a rookie AJ Griffin to provide spacing. To beat that Hornets team. You're so much more talented than them. Just put in the effort and you'll beat them. I know any given night in the NBA you can lose. These are professional basketball players. But, I mean, come on now. It's It was an effort thing against the Hornets. They all looked dejected. And it honestly starts at the top. Because there's times when they'll show Nate McMillan on the sideline. And, you know, I'm not expecting him to be Nick Nurse. Who frankly looks like he's on the edge of like, I don't know, borderline assault during some games. But, like, Nate McMillan in some games, he just looks like so dejected. It's just... It's like, show some passion, like talk to the refs, you know, get the guys fired up. If we, you know, Nate's talked about how we need leaders. The the only leaders can't be players. You know, what did uh, Jeff Van Gundy say? Nate Mullen's a leader of men. Act like a damn leader for once, Nate. Like, don't sit over there, your arms crossed, just looking dejected. I know you're the coach. You have to stay calm because you don't want to get technicals and stuff and hurt the team. But I don't know. It starts with Nate. It's an issue. I mean, we've. We know this team has had an effort issue. They play down through their competition. They did that against the Hornets and Pistons, and it gets them to these close games where it's like you wouldn't be here if you just played with like ten percent more effort the rest of the game. So I just need to say that I get one to play AJ. I want AJ to play, but I just need to say the Hawks sh- nine man rotation right now shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to be saying, "Oh, we need AJ to win," because this that team that nine man rotation is way too talented for them to be need to be saved by a rookie. I just wanted to get that off my chest because. That's been ridiculous to me. A lot of people are just talking about, oh, how can we fix this schematically? I mean, frankly, it's an effort issue. That's what it is to me, at least. Yeah, um, same crap that we saw last year. But this time, it was. it is the first week of the season. Uh, it's a little bit more forgivable than some of the games last year. But yeah, it, it was bad. But I don't really want to dwell on it um, on the whole. But I will say, you tweeted about this, and I kind of agree with you. I'm not that worried about the Hawks' shooting percentage from three. Now, don't get me wrong. Play AJ Griffin some more minutes. I want to see him get a couple shots per game because he could very easily be the highest percentage shooter on our team. Um, he's absolutely that talented at that skill. Um, but you you tweeted that I don't have the numbers at my fingertips. But if you know the Hawks, you know a somewhat big deal is made. Those first three or four games, we were shooting low thirty percent from three um, on honestly pretty low volume. Um, again, we're a lot more of a mid range and dunks and pick and roll floaters type of team. Um, but we're shooting low 30%. If you take out Trey Young's <laughs> ghastly shooting, and we all know it's Trey Young. He, he's going to take his shot diet. He's going to make it hard on himself. But at the end of the year, you're going to be like, you know, wow, those seven games in a row where he shot like 55% from three. Wow, that was, that was like incredible. That was some of the best basketball he's ever played. It's one of those things where it's Trey. He balances out a bit. If you take out Trey's first couple games, I think the Hawks are shooting around 36 to 37% from three. Again, not on high volume. Um, I do think they need to up their volume a bit, especially once Bogey comes back. But it's not that big of an issue. This isn't like a Lakers-level concern because the Lakers are shooting like 30, 40 a game and they're only hitting like single digits. The Hawks, they're shooting, you know, like high 20s or low 30s a game and they're hitting the same as the Lakers. So it's just, you know, it's not a huge issue, but it is a weakness. I, I don't think that's shocking. You know, we did trade away Kevin Herter and we lost Gallo. Um, 
<laughs> it's not Frank Kaminsky time or anything, but it, you know, it's a valid concern. It's it's certainly possible that you know maybe we look to add shooting uh, at some point, maybe through one of our two ways. I don't know if you honestly consider bringing in like a veteran shooter type like Wayne Ellington. Not saying I want to do that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that maybe they look into doing. Um, but I'm not too worried about it. And and yes, I do think AJ Griffin would help a bit, but let's also not lose sight of the fact that it has been a couple games. Justin Holiday is a pretty good NBA shooter. Like <laughs> over the course of his season, he'll probably be high 30%. Like, you know, just because he had a couple bad games, you know, let's not forget against the magic where he shot like three or five and three and, and all those shots are pretty big. So, um, you know, end of the day, people want to see the rookie. I get it. Justin Holiday, he's never going to be sexy. Um, AJ Griffin could be kind of sexy. Sorry for making that uh, homoerotic, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like sexy in the, in the basket, in the basketball way. Um, <laughs> Jackson, please I mean, take frankly, over. The way you, <laughs> the way you're talking, like, is it wrong though? Like a lot of it is just like shiny new toy syndrome. Like I'm one of the highest people on AJ and I've said them before. I want AJ to play. We like, here's the thing though. It's an expectation thing. We've been through the Nate McMillan rookie road before. Like what, you're, if you if you're expecting Nate McMillan to change and play a rookie at this point, you're just setting Shame yourself up for failure. You. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I go with every game saying I I wish I want AJ to play. I was one of the highest people on AJ. Like I had him top ten on my personal draft board. I was very excited when the Hawks took take, take him, but like I don't expect Nate McMillan to just randomly you know wake up in the middle of the night three a.m. have a gas bear have an epiphany. <gasps> hey, maybe I should play the rookie. You know, like yeah. it's not gonna. That's why like people who just get like frustrated over it. It's like you know, Nate is a bit of a, I mean, you can call him stubborn. You can call him whatever. You this is just, dosser. this is his philosophy. You can, you know, tosser as well. <laughs> you, this is his philosophy of how he runs his team. And frankly, it's not going to change unless like the front office gets involved. But like, you know, I don't think that's going to, ha- they're not going to do that over AJ Griffin. I mean, the calls for Nate to have his jaw <laughs> taken. It's a, uh, I'll just say the way people are talking about it, like you, would think you wouldn't think three. we're three and one. Yeah, you would. Think yeah, like you wouldn't think we're three. Like I know we've played some, you know, easy team, but a lot of that also has to do, and I think a lot of people don't want to face this because it's a lot easier to get mad at your head coach and be like, ah, oh, we need to fire the coach instead of like looking at the players because like we get mm-hmm. so attached to these players. Yeah. Let's just say, let's just call it what it is. Nate Malone can make all the adjustments. He can do the right rotations. He can run all the right plays. It doesn't matter if the guys don't put an effort. He's not the one who goes out there and plays the game. Is it like is it is it Nate McMillan's fault that Trey Young can't hit a shot from like from three? Is it Nate McMillan's fault that Dejounte the last couple of games has become a, become a turnover machine? Is it like Nate McMillan's fault that the holidays haven't been playing good enough defense and haven't been hitting their shots? Is it Nate McMillan's fault that like you know Hunter and John combined for like one of fourteen from three against the Hornets? Like no, like you know. We are not huge McMillan apologists by any means. We're not like, we're not truthers. <laughs> but at the end of the day, man, he's been coaching for a long time because he's pretty good at this. I, you know, if you want to question how high the ceiling is with Nate McMillan at coach, I won't doubt it. But the man has won a lot of basketball games um, with a lot less talent than we have currently. So it's just, you know, let, let's, you know, take some deep breaths, you know, just breathe. In through the nose, out through the mouth, just, you know, lower the heart rate. We're 3-1 and one, uh, with Trey Young honestly playing like crap, um, at least shooting like crap, I should say, and DeJounte not playing really nearly as good as we could expect. It's, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, let's let's chill out, man. We're doing pretty good, all things considered. I, I, I honestly implore people to look around the league and see how 
things have started off kind of different than you would expect. Like there's, I think the only undefeated, no, they're the only undefeated team is the Bucks, and they've only played three games. They're three and zero. Like, I mean, teams that you thought were tanking are winning games. It, it, it's not. The Jazz are four and one. Yeah, the the Thunder I think have won two games and they're currently leading the Clippers. Now it's early, but like you get what I'm saying. This is not college football, and we're not you know an SEC powerhouse that just lost to Morehouse. <laughs> like it's not like that. This is any team can win any game. Obviously, you'd like to, you know, you would have loved to have been five and zero over this first five games. Four and one is still very attainable, and in any five game stretch in any sport other than maybe college football, I guess regular season in any sport. Out of five games, you will every single time you'll take four and one. You will take the eight hundred winning percentage every single time. So, you know, just you know, don't you know. I, I'm saying you know a lot because I I, I don't want to say it, but like, chill the fuck out. Just you're fine. You know, don't stop panicking. I do want to say this. Though. I do want to clarify on something. I don't want to speak on for you, Logan. So you can hop in after I say this. But like, I am by no means like somebody who's just like constantly defending Nate McMillan. Like, I hope everyone knows that. I'm trying to say that, like, you just can't blame one person for this. You know, this is a it's a whole thing with this team. They they all seem they have all things they have that they can work on. I mean, unless you're talking like the end of the bench, guys. I mean, maybe they could celebrate more looking at you, Frank Kaminsky. But frankly, you know, I, I think this is a team thing. I just want to say I'm not a Nate McMillan apologist. I'm not out here staining Nate McMillan. I don't think anyone's doing that. If we get to a point in this season, you know, midway through the season where it's like things aren't working, it's obviously a coaching thing. You know, I 100% I'm, you know, I'm down with making a change at coach. If we get to this off season and, you know, you're questioning the ceiling, like Logan talked about, I'm 100% down with making a change at coach. I'm just saying, you know, you just can't point them. Our issues can't just be pointed at Nate McMillan. Like he's done, he's had his issues. So have the players, it's like, it's something that'll work itself out. And like you, like you said, Logan, people do need to calm down. Uh, Like the Hawks, like we're, we're three and one where we have a game against the Pistons on tomorrow on Friday. Very well, it could be four and one, have an 800 win percentage. And then it's like we start getting into like the tougher games of our schedule. And when we did our first podcast, Logan, you know, of our, we previewed our season, it's like you in these first five, you got to go four and one. And it's like that's obtainable. Maybe you win both games against the Pistons and you just drop the one against Charlotte. And you know, that you still hit your, your, what we wanted, what we expected in terms of your record. So it, I'm not worried. I'm not worried yet about the Hawks. The Hawks have tons of talent. You know, they still need to. I think people have quickly forgotten one thing we were all talking about so much when we got going to the season was we were all like, this team needs to gel, train to John will need to gel, the whole team will need to gel because of how many new faces came in, how much, you know, how much, how much stuff is different. It's like, it seems like people have forgotten that they're not going to figure out in four games. This is just not going to happen. That's not how this works. We need a larger sample size before we start coming after people or, you know, saying, you know, that, oh, this is what's wrong. This is how you fix it. I mean, there's adjustments and changes that can be made and, Hey, if it benefits the team, hopefully they are made. But let, let's all cool down. Let's enjoy the three and one. And like, let's just, you know, remember, we are a very talented team. This team is it's not an it's not a talent issue. And that's something to be happy about. Like it could be you could be the magic or zero and five. So it could always be worse. I'm just saying. And, you know, yeah, they do have to gel. And there's there's some good signs uh, to the team. They have had some really good uh, defensive moments. I think our defensive rating in the fourth quarter is second best in the league. It's like 94. Um, Trey Young has like basically tripled his rate of off-ball plays run. He's doubled or tripled his rate of catch-and-shoot jumpers. It's things are trending in the right direction. Um, this is you know it's it's not the exact same as last year, but plus Dejounte, we're changing it up a bit defensively. Obviously, we've all already seen. Excuse me, 
some of the returns from DeJounte defensively. Um, <clears throat> and offensively, yeah, they've, they've got some stuff they got to figure out. There's a little bit too much uh, my turn, your turn. There's a little bit too much dry spells. but um, and, and yeah, that DeJounte plus bench lineup kind of sucks. Um, but, I mean, it's early in the season. They're figuring it out, and I do think they're on the right, right track. Um, and let's also, let's not lose sight of the fact that last year we played up against our competition. Um, it's not like we're going to lose straight out to, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> we're not going to lose straight out to these tougher teams on our schedule next week. You know what I mean? It's not going to, you know, we didn't have to go 5-0 and in these first five games or else, you know, the sky was going to fall. It was just, let's build a good cushion so that way we're allowed to struggle a little bit if things get tough against the Bucks, Because, like, if, if they don't figure out their defensive uh, communication a little bit better for the Bucks, the Bucks will take advantage of it. The Bucks are just one of the best ran teams in the league. They're contender. They're an elite. They just won the title two years ago. Come yeah, on now. Yeah, so that's just how it is. Um, but we have the talent to beat any team in the league. That's that's the straight-up truth. We have enough talent to beat any team, especially when Bogey's healthy and we have a legit creator off the bench, um, plus a high-level shooter. So... I'm not worried. I would like to see more AJ Griffin minutes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, not much else to say. One thing I want to see is you mentioned the DeJounte bench lineup. I think a large part of that is DeJounte. I get, you know, he's new here. I'm sure that plays a factor. DeJounte needs to be more assertive with the ball. You're by far the best player on the court. You know, respectfully, respectfully. I mean, those are guys I like in Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, Jalen Johnson, Okongu. I like all of those guys. But like... DeJounte will sometimes just like stand off ball and it's like he thinks he's, I, I guess like it's like it's like he's he's playing like he's playing with Trey is what I'd say. And like Aaron Holiday's dribbling. I like Aaron Holiday a lot. Actually, his effort is very nice. He's a competent shooter. He's honestly not. He's he's pretty close to DeLon, even though I don't think people are going to want to hear that. Shout out to DeLon. I mean, you know, give us into DeLon right. He's out for six to eight weeks right now. Um, injury ends when the trade when his trade thing ends on the 14th. Look into that. Um, Pray for DeLon. But. Hey, hey, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like that team. I think the John is more assertive. He needs to be like, all right, I'm the, he needs to, you know, just say, I'm the best player on the court. Let me get the ball because we need less possessions where Aaron holiday, you know, is take is dribbling is running the offense. And we certainly need less offense of possessions or Justin holiday is the one do is the one running the offense because Justin holiday, he can play defense. He can catch and shoot. I think the shooting numbers will rise. That guy dribbling the basketball looks like your local Hawks, Hawks, Hawks host. Like, respectfully, he, there was some dribbling that he did against the Pistons. I was like, dog, pass the ball to someone. And <laughs> so I just think that DeJounte bench lineup, DeJounte just needs to be more assertive. You're an all-star for a reason. You're the best player on the floor right now when Trey isn't on the floor. Just, you know, go and go and be the all-star that you are. You don't have to sit off ball. That's going on. If Trey's not on the floor, you're supposed to be the guy with the ball in your hands. You're supposed to be one to create You're supposed to be one of the, the one running the offense. And uh, get uh, Jalen Johnson. He he looked good against the Pistons game. I think that's his best regular season game so far this year against the Pistons. We didn't really talk about it because he didn't do much, but yeah, he looked, he looked good. It's not exactly the high mark to clear, but you know, hey, baby steps. You gotta start somewhere. We'll take baby steps. Yeah. Um, one other, one last thing I did want to say because it has to be said, John Collins has been very, very good these first cup. I mean, against Charlotte he sucked, but let's be real here. Everyone sucked against Charlotte. John Collins's defense has taken a step forward, and I mean, it's it's. I got into an argument on the internet the other day because people that don't watch the Hawks, I understand you don't, you know, if you're not a Hawks fan, you're not going to watch many Hawks games. That's fine. That's that's how it works. They still think John Collins is a bad defender. 
And you could argue he's our all-around best one. Like, I'm not saying he's better than Clint Capella because Clint Capella is obviously a better rim protector. But John has a little bit more versatility in his defense. And it's it's actually just it's incredible to see that John has become the guy that he is um, defensively. And he's kept the same offensive portfolio. And he's he stayed the same on offense and gotten better on defense. It's really... Um, it's really just very impressive. He's he's been very good these first four games, and I did think it was funny how his highlight last night, the the chase down block. That honestly, I'm not saying it was anywhere near as important as LeBron's, but it looked very similar. Same same, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. It looks similar. I'm not I'm not saying you know. I I don't know if we have any uh, big LeBron fans that listen, but don't don't attack me. I'm not saying I'm not implying anything. I'm just saying it was aesthetically similar. Um, it was kind of funny that that whole sequence was like. John Collins lovers and haters can could unite on that because the reason why the Pistons had a fast break uh, chance like that was John Collins kind of got the ball in no man's land and couldn't dribble and he turned it over but then he turns it over and he busts his ass and gets that incredible chase down block and and all of a sudden he completely makes up for it so it, it was funny how it started off like John Collins haters can be like ah see he blah 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 and then you know by the end of the play you know. He made up for it and made probably the highlight of the night for the Hawks. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, my voice is kind of kind of strained. I uh, I'm a little more nasally than I'd like to be, Jackson. I, I hope I, I I am praying I don't sound like Squidward right now, but I really can't tell. Master Squidward. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, John Collins, he's gonna be an All Star. People, listen, listen. I will say against the Hornets, it's pretty obvious the league has an agenda against John Collins. The refs, they're calling some more fouls than we're used to with John Collins. They're still not calling all of them, frankly. And I'm going to tell you why, Logan. The league will do anything to deny John Collins his all-star appearance. Just saying. Mm. Also, that. that offensive rebounding possession Capella had last night where he missed like <laughs> he missed his first lap, got a rebound, missed his second one, got a rebound, and then made the third one. I just need to say, if you want to know why he did that, go look at the contract extensions. He's trying to hit those rebounding numbers. Look into it. It was on purpose. He saw an opportunity to get close from those incentives. I think he gets like 250K for hitting that one. Just saying, look into it, guys. That's all I want to say. John Collins All-Star. Be, be ready to vote him, people. We're going to get him to the All-Star. We're going to have three All-Stars this year. Trey DeJounte and John Collins. And uh, if Nate Millen coaches the All-Star team, the starters are playing all 48 minutes. The bitch players will get no time. They're just there to enjoy the weekend. <laughs> They're just there to have a nice weekend off. And where's the All-Star game this year? Do you know where it is? Mm. I, think, I, think I think it's in like Salt Lake. I was gonna say I think it's in Utah. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if anyone more we're gonna want to go to the All Star Game this year. This might. It is in. It's my final. Here we go. It's my finally be the year that Shea makes one. They're like, all right, you can go. It is in Utah. Uh, it's on February nineteenth. Uh, yeah. Uh, ooh. Oh, I believe the tarp is eight shit to do there. Anyways, I mean, what do you even do? What can you even do in Salt Lake? Anyway, you know. Especially that time of year, because it's like snowed in. Like, who even knows? I. Uh, this is the one time I'm glad I'm another millionaire basketball player. At least I won't have to go to Salt Lake City in February. <laughs> be podcasting from home, guys. Be taking my little All Star break. <laughs> Catch me and Logan. We'll be in Cancun for the All Star break, taking the podcasters' uh, retreat trip. We'll be back. You guys could. Uh, hey, best of luck in Utah, guys. Yep. We'll see you when y'all get back. Yeah. Glad we aren't real journalists that have to follow them. Glad we're just fan-made. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. I'm praying for the All-Stars this Take year. that, Warriors podcaster guy. Have fun in Salt Lake, bud. That guy was so based. I'm sorry. He hit the nail on the head. 
he he got us down to a T. I almost wanted to use it as advertising, like use it as the intro clip for this podcast. Just take a little soundbite, like like a like a young boy mixtape, like just throw in like a voicemail of that, just a snippet of the album intro. It would have been perfect. But I think the Hot Socks podcast is in the is in the crosshairs of the woke credentialed mob. Yep. NBA credentialed mob. We don't know anything. Don't listen to us. Remember that, guys. Thumbs up. If you don't know what we're referring to, then I'm sorry. But uh, it's in my retweets. You can go yeah, find yeah, it. I quote retweeted. Yeah, it. you can find it. If you see two grumpy looking white guys talking podcasting, that's that that's the right video. That's the one you're looking for. It's not us though. No, it's <laughs> they're old. Only one of us is old. I'm the only old one. Jackson's a young buck. I was gonna say dog. I was like, dog, you touch thirty, my boy. Anyways, okay. you got anything else to say, Logan, before let's, we wrap this up? Let's settle down here, kid. <laughs> All right. No, I uh, I need you to take over talking. My voice is strained. Thank you guys for listening. Jackson will take over now. All right, let's go in an outro then, bad boy. Just want to say thank you to everyone for listening, as always. Be sure to check out the description of this episode. You'll find links to my Twitter, the Hawks Hawks Twitter, and Logan's Twitter. Be also sure to check out the Patreon. You can subscribe today. The $8, $10 tier, they have ad-free content, which is pretty cool. You'll get to listen to the Hawks Hawks podcast, never hearing an ad again. And then finally... Be sure to rate the podcast five stars. It's what keeps the world going around, and it brings me and Logan joy. I'm hearing that uh, if you rate this podcast five stars, Logan will be magically cured of his nasally congestion thing he's got going on. So I know a lot of you like Logan. If you want him to get better, hey, there you go. Five stars on the podcast. That's how you do it. You you get to uh you, you get to decide his health. So it's in his hands, frankly. But anyway, I do want to say thank you for listening. Let's get this halt. Let's hope the halt can win on Friday. Have a good week. And weekend, love you. Goodbye.